Well, today we're going to walk through 1 John, 2 John, 3 John. Obviously, we can't cover everything there, but the good thing is that all three of these letters that were written by the Apostle John are very small. They're very short, and I encourage you to make sure you spend some time reading them, because while they are small, they are chock full of great truths and great information that can help you in your faith walk. In fact, that's the reason that John wrote these letters. He wrote these letters to encourage the church to remain faithful because he saw the heresies that were coming into the church. And remember now, John wrote these toward the end of the first century. So around 85 to 95 AD, he wrote these letters, uh, the latest letters that were written in the scripture. And we see what he writes in these letters, writing to the church, like he's the one guy that still was alive. He was the only apostle who was not martyred for his faith. We talked about Peter last week losing his life in in 64 AD. We talked about Paul who also lost his life around that same time. Well, here we are now up in the 90s, the mid-90s AD, 30 years after Paul and Peter were both killed and John the apostle is still alive and he's still writing and he's still being used by God. Yes, he had persecution. He was imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos for a while and then got out, moved to Ephesus where he writes these letters. And, And as he's writing these letters, he's mindful of the fact that he's coming towards his last days, and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit leading him, guiding him to write these words, to remind the church that every day that goes by, there is more and more heresies, challenges to the faith, challenges to the gospel that are going to come into their church, come into their lives, come into their situations, and that they have to stay locked in to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And again, as seems like we've said it over and over and over again through all of the books that we've been studying this year, uh, what is also true before is still true today is that the message that was given 2,000 years ago in this passage is the same truth that we need to know now. Because the heresies, man, they're still flying. And whether it was the Gnosticism that was in the late, uh, the late first century, or whether it's all the, uh, the doctrinal issues and the prosperity gospels and all the other kind of stuff that is in today, like the heresies continue to come, and they are all driven by the desire of Satan to stop the church of Jesus Christ, to get us off track, to get us focused on something else other than what it is that God has for us. And so that's why John wrote this letter or these letters, these three letters that we're going to read today. Now listen, it's important to note that he wrote these letters to the church. He didn't write them to an unbelieving people. He wrote them to the believers, the people who were following Christ, again, to keep them committed, to keep them focused on what it is that God had called them to do. And so what he really wanted to underscore is that he knew that in one very specific area, if the church didn't get this right, that they would be quick to go off track, quick to go the wrong direction, that one area that they had to focus on, and that area was love. And he wanted to make sure that they understand that love is important, that love is something that they have to focus on, that love is the point of their faith. In fact, I want you to go to 1 John chapter 1. And verse 1, and we're going to read this passage as he, uh, John, begins this first letter, the first of the three, and he writes it this way. He said, what was from the beginning, what we have heard and what we have seen with our eyes, what we have observed and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, that life was revealed and we have seen it and we testify and declare to you the eternal life that was with the Father and was revealed to us, what we have seen and heard, we also declare to you so that you may also have fellowship with us. 
And in, indeed, our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. Now, lots of words there that basically come down to this thought. John is writing this letter to say, guys, I'm writing this because I want to share with you what I've seen, what I've heard, and what I've touched. Now, what is it that the Apostle John has seen and heard and touched? Here's what he's seen, heard, and touched. He has seen Jesus Christ doing all of the things that the Gospels talk about that Jesus did. He has heard the words that Jesus had to share. He was there in the room. He has touched the very body of Christ. He has seen Christ both in his pre-resurrection body and in his post-resurrection body. He had the opportunity of seeing what God did through his son Jesus. And he said, so what I have seen and what I've heard and what I've touched, I'm giving to you, I'm delivering to you. Why? So that our joy may be complete. Now, here's what is important to understand and to know as followers of Jesus Christ, that the joy that we all seek, the joy that we all desire, the joy that we all talk about, it is impossible outside of a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And as we gather in this room, there are so many people that are here and in other churches around the world today that, man, they love the music, they love the worship, they show up, they serve, they do all the things they're supposed to do, but yet they do not yet have that relationship with Christ because of whatever reason, because of whatever teaching, because of whatever uh, hurdles or challenges that are in their lives. And John right up front says, guys, I want to deliver this to you because it is in Christ that we have a relationship with God. Don't miss that. That is the most important message that you can and will ever hear, that it is through Christ and Christ alone that we have our hope. And so he begins to talk about this idea of love. And as we go to 1 John chapter 4, so flip over a couple of pages in your Bible, we're going to be talking about like what, what is it that, that John kind of brings to the point, brings to the forefront here of what that looks like to make sure that we are connected to God the Father through His Son Jesus Christ. It all deals with and flows from the idea of love. And the first idea that we get is that love is, is, is not an option. Love is not a choice. It's not something we can maybe do or not do. Love is not an option. Look what it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. And verse 7 says it this way, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. Now again, it could not be more clear, it could not be more obvious what John is saying here. Hey, if you are a follower of Christ, if you're going to remain faithful in your calling to walk with Him and to follow Him in your lives, the one thing that you must understand, love is not an option, that you must love one another. He's underscoring what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 22. When Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing? Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. Love is not an option. It is commanded by God. And so John makes it very clear. Listen, if you're going to call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're going to call yourself a person who is a believer, then you must show love. Now, that love that he's talking about is the kind of love that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We're not going to dig into that today. I encourage you to go read that passage in 1 Corinthians 13 of all the things that love is, to kind of use that as an assessment of the way that you show love. Like, love is kind, it is not rude, it is not self-centered, it is not, you know, easily angered. All of those things that we read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, like, that's what John says. You must love. 
And here's the indictment. If you do not love, if you do not show love, and this is a powerful statement, then you are not of God. Why? Because God is love. The underscoring idea is this, is that if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, truly a follower of Jesus Christ, it is impossible for you not to also be a person who shows love. Which makes us take a look inside and ask ourselves some very serious and important questions, doesn't it? It makes us take a look inside to make sure that we actually are who we're supposed to be. John was so passionate about this. In fact, Dan Womack, Dan Womack writes this about John uh, in doing some studies of, of ancient texts about John's life. And it says this, that tradition tells us that in his extreme old age, when he could no longer minister the word, he could no longer preach, that John was then carried into the church. And when asked for a word of wisdom, he would invariably say, little children love one another. In other words, when he could do nothing else, when he could say nothing else, when he could not preach a sermon, when he could not write a book, when he could do nothing but be carried into the room and said, hey, do you have a word for us? What would you have to say to us? If this were it, what would you say? Little children, love one another. Now, why would he use those words? Here's why, because that's what Jesus said. What's the most important commandment? Love the Lord your God. Second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. We don't have an option. It's not a choice that we make. It's not something that we can do or might do or if we have time to do, we must do. It's important that we do it. And if we don't, then what we're doing is we're disobeying God. Third, third John, you don't have to turn, that'll be in your screens, but the third letter of John, the third epistle, it says this in verse 11. Dear friend, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. The one who does good is of God. The one who does evil has not seen God. In other words, if we do not obey him, if we're not doing what God has called us to do by showing love, then that's evil. And if we're showing evil, then evil is not of God. Man, what a scary statement. Because it makes us ask ourselves the question, are we really a follower of Jesus Christ? So love is not an option. Now, here's the problem. When John is spending all this time talking about how you got to love, you got to love, you got to love, you got to show love, God is love, you got to make sure you're loving others, you got to love one another, you got to do this. Like, it would be easy for us then and for those followers back then to kind of be confused a little bit and buy into the idea that to truly be a follower of Jesus Christ, that it's a works-based gospel, that it's salvation is based on our works. So in other words, if we truly are of God, if we're a follower of Christ, if we're going to spend eternity in heaven, then we have to make sure we love one another, which is true. But then the expression of that would be like, we've got to do things for others. So that would lead us to a works-based salvation, which we know is false. And so John goes immediately on to write to make sure that people didn't misunderstand what he was trying to say in our command and our, our, our commandment to, to love is that he tells us this, is that God's love is absolute. God's love is absolute. Look what it says in the next verse, verse 9. First John chapter 4. It says this, God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might love, uh, live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Now think about that statement. 
Right after he says, you must love one another. You've got to show love. If you don't love, you're not of God. If you're of God, then you're love because God is love. And then he immediately says in this, God showed us his love in that he sent his one and only son to come to this earth and die for us and that he rose again for us. And it's not that we find salvation because we loved him. It's because he loved us by sending his son as the atoning sacrifice. In other words, while you are commanded to love, it is not your love and what you do that gives you the promise and the hope of eternity. It is Christ and Christ alone. That is such an important truth. This week I had the opportunity of visiting with a family in our church of a couple that had been married for 60 years, more than 60 years. They're up in their 90s. I had the opportunity of sitting down with them and talking with them at their home and and was just hearing stories. We were just kind of reminiscing and talking about a lot of things through the years. And, and then she began to share with me her testimony. And her testimony, because I've known her my entire life, like I've just always, you know, she's just always a, you know, a woman who loved God, served God, walked with God. I mean, it was just obvious. And she shared with me her testimony that back when she was in her 20s and early 30s, that in that time, Man, she'd grown up in church. She'd always been around church. She was serving in church. She had, you know, from the time that she was born, she was in church. Her church that she went to told her, you know, when you get 12 years old, man, you, you're going to get baptized and then you're going to join the church and you're going to serve. And so she was serving. She was working in the nursery and the children's area and just all the stuff. A Sunday school teacher. I mean, she was faithful. She was there every time the doors were open, like doing everything that the church said that she was supposed to do. She was working her fingers to the bone to make sure that she was doing all of the things that she had to do in order to be a good Christian. And she worked and worked and worked and worked, even inviting people to come to the church because that's what she was told to do. And she would bring them to the church and she'd have them there. They'd have revivals and she'd bring people to the revival and she would sit with them, hoping that they would go forward at the altar. She actually worked at the altar to help counsel people when they came forward. And there was one specific time when she was sitting in another church. She was there for a revival service. She's sitting in the room and as she brought people with her, she had three people that she invited to come and to hear the preacher that night, and she was sitting there, and as she was hearing the sermon, instantly God spoke to her through that sermon that was shared that night, that it's not about what you do, it's about who you believe and what you trust about Jesus, that if you believe that Jesus died and that he rose again, that that is where we find our salvation. She said tears began to come to her eyes, and when the invitation came, she jumped up and she ran down the aisle, she forgot about the people she was sitting with, she didn't care about what happened to them. All she cared about was getting right with God, and she made her way down to the altar, and because she always worked at the altar, nobody came to talk to her because they thought she was coming to work. And she got to the altar, she stood there, and she waited, and finally someone made their way over and said, hey, what are you doing? And she said, I want to get saved. And it shocked everybody who was there. And she felt guilty because she felt like, man, I'd spent my entire life lying to everybody that I loved, making them think that I was a Christian because I was doing all this stuff. And I just felt bad because in that moment, I had to admit the fact that I was not a believer. I was not a Christian. That at that moment, I wanted to accept Christ. And she talked about what she did that night with tears rolling down her cheeks in her 90s, sharing the story. 60 plus years after it took place. And she's sharing that story. And that she shared with me, with tears still in her eyes. And she says, and you know, I sit there every Sunday. And my heart breaks because I think there are so many people like me that are faithful to the church. And faithful to serving. And faithful in loving. 
and faithful in doing all the things that we're told to do as followers of Christ, and they don't know Christ. John writes here, it's not that you loved God, it's that God loved you, and that God sent his one and only son as the atoning sacrifice for your sin. It is by believing in Jesus that we find our salvation. And so, yeah, love is not an option. We've got to love. But it's not through our love that we find salvation, that our love is an expression of our salvation that is found by believing in Jesus, that he died and that he rose again. And here's what is critical to understand that John wants us to get. You can't fake it. You can't fake love. You can for a while. She did for a while. And she did a pretty good job at it. But ultimately, you can't fake it in eternity. Look what John writes in 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we also must love one another. No one has ever seen God, and if we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is made complete in us. The power of his presence is manifest through his love and through the salvation that we have, the experience we have of, of accepting him. Verses 14, he goes on to say, and we have seen and we testify that the Father sent his Son in, uh, as the world's Savior. And whoever confesses that Jesus is the Son of God, God remains in him and he in God. And we have come to know and to believe the love that God has for us. God is love. And the one who remains in love remains in God and God remains in him. It is always, 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 always through what Jesus Christ has done for us. Today we sit here and we lift our voices as Charles and Taranda and our worship team lead us in these amazing songs Man, you look around the room and you see people that are, man, just singing to the tops of their lungs. They're, they're passionate, man. Their hands are raised. They're excited, man. They feel good. Man, the emotions are high and the energy is high. And man, you just feel really good about all the things that are taking place. And, and what happens so often is that we allow our emotions and our feelings to dictate our salvation. We allow what we feel and what we do, our works, to help us to evaluate where we are in our faith. And what John is saying here is like, like don't, don't do that. It, it's, it's not about what you do, and it's not about how you act, and it's not about how you sing, and it's not about the words that you share, and it's not about the Operation Christmas Child boxes that you donate, and it's not about the bags for the refugees that you bring in, and it's not about working in the nursery, and it's not about going in visitation, and it's not about going on a missions trip, and it's not about sitting in the church every time the doors are open. It is about the fact that whoever believes in Jesus that he died and that he rose again, that is where we find salvation. I can't help but think as you read through these books, as you spend time reading the, the words of an old man, to be honest with you, kind of like the words of the old woman that I had the opportunity of talking to the other day, sitting in the latter years of their lives, passionate, brokenhearted about what they see. I couldn't help but think of the parallel between the woman I talked to this week and the writings that I read this week from John. John crying from his heart to the people, to the church, like, like guys, be faithful. Guys, it comes from Christ and Christ alone. 
And then hearing this woman sitting there talking with me, sharing the exact same sentiment. It breaks my heart that there are people sitting in the room every single week that are working their fingers to the bone for the gospel and they don't know it. So today, I think maybe I would be doing a disservice to the words that we've shared and the words that are found in in these books. If I didn't just ask you very clearly and very deliberately and very honestly and pointedly, what about you? I know I look around this room, I see a lot of faces that I recognize. A lot of faces that I see about every week. And you guys know, you sit in the same seat every week, right? So I see you in the same place every week. I know where you are, I know where you sit. I know when you skip. I do. I know it's a big room. I got good eyesight. I don't wear glasses yet. So, and when I do, I've got cameras. I'm going I'm to get cameras around. We'll, we'll make sure we get that. And so maybe you may, you're here every week and you're doing all the stuff that you're supposed to do. But man, I just, I just feel compelled. Is it real? Is it absolute? Do you follow Christ because of what you do or do you follow Christ because of what he did? Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And if not, that dear lady that I talked to this week said, man, she was embarrassed by the, having to come and get saved. What's interesting is that she said she was embarrassed by it. She felt bad about it. But after she did it, everyone celebrated because that's what it's all about. So maybe you're here today and maybe you don't know for sure. Maybe you've been putting on a really good front. Hey, you can fake it for a while, but you can't fake it ultimately. And so today as we come to this moment of invitation, as Charles and our team come and as we're going to have the opportunity of standing as we do every week, you know the drill, nothing new. I just want you to be honest with yourself. Like, be honest. Do you know that you know that you know that you know? Are you absolutely 100% sure? Because life is fragile and life is short and quickly things can change. Preached three funerals this week and at every one of those funerals I, I shared a phrase that I use in pretty much every funeral that I do. It's like, hey, if the person could be here today, speak to us. After now, having been in heaven for these last few days, got to be honest with you, you know what they'd say? They'd say, quit talking about me and start talking about Jesus. They'd say, don't miss this. Because if you die without Christ, it's eternity in hell. But if you die with Christ, it's eternity in the presence of God the Father and perfection for eternity. So what about you? Father, today, I pray today for every person in this room. As we come to this moment of invitation, God, I know there are a lot of people in this room that are faithful, a lot of people in this room that are serving, a lot of people in this room that, man, they're here every time the doors are open, they're working, they're giving, they're doing, they're all the things that we're supposed to do. But God, I pray that there will not be one of them here that maybe is not sure. That God, that right now they get everything absolutely certain in their faith and their walk with you. God, I pray for people who are Christians. We know this, these books that we've studied today were written to those who are believers. And 1 John 1, 9 is right there. First few verses. 
If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So today, if there's a Christian, a believer here, maybe they're kind of gotten sidetracked, they've, they've kind of backslidden in their walk, God, I pray right now that they would take that, that verse and use it today. God, for those who want to come for baptism, come to join our family here, to come to pray for a loved one, God, right now, do that through and in them. God, do a work in our midst. In a moment, we're going to stand. Charles is going to lead us. Our team is gathering here at the altar. And I'm just going to tell you, I want you to take an honest assessment of who you are and what you, what you believe, what you do. And if you're here today and you can't say with absolute certainty, I am a believer, a follower of Jesus Christ, and I know I will spend eternity in heaven because of what Christ has done, not because of what I've done, not because I've been in church, but because of what Christ has done. If you can't say that, then don't you hesitate when we stand. You get out from where you are and you come to this altar and you get things right with God today. Time is short. Hell is hot. Heaven is real. And God loves you. Let's stand together and step out right now. He became sin who knew no sin and we might become his righteousness. He humbled himself and carried the cross. Love so person gathered in this room. Lord, I know that there are some here today that know that they need to make a decision for you. And maybe for whatever reason, they haven't walked these aisles. God, I know and I'm aware that salvation doesn't simply come at an altar. It can come from any place, in any moment, in any situation. When we simply come to the realization that we need a Savior, that Jesus died and that He rose again. And so God, I pray that as we leave this place, for those individuals, God, I pray that maybe before they even leave the parking lot, sitting in their car, that they will do business with you and get things right today. God, I pray that you would do an amazing work in their lives. God, I pray that you would raise all of us up to be passionate about preaching and sharing the love of Jesus Christ, to share the gospel everywhere we go. God, use us to that end. And for that, we give you the praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now guys, listen to me before you leave. The altar remains open. And for those of you who know you should come and you haven't come, come now. People are going to be walking around, milling around. No one's going to know except for God. And that's what matters. And so I encourage you, if God's speaking to you, our team is here. They're going to stay right here. We love to talk with you.
God bless you and have a great day. Thank you for worshiping with us today. We're so glad you joined us. If you prayed to receive Christ today, we'd love to hear from you. We want to help you as you begin this new journey of faith in Jesus Christ. Send an email to the address on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. Likewise, if you've never accepted God's free gift of salvation, the forgiveness of sins made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus, but you'd like to know more, we're here to help you. Just reach out to us and we'd love to tell you more. Our mission at Thomas Road is to change our world by developing Christ followers who love God and love people. If you'd like to help us fulfill that mission by giving to our ministry, go to the link on your screen and make your contribution today. Help us help others with the life-changing truth of God's love. Thank you.